Welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, a primitive Baptist ministry declaring the good news of the finished work of salvation by grace alone. This program is brought to you weekly by Elder Joe Nettles, pastor of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church in Caledonia, Mississippi, and Elder David Wise, pastor of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. Stay tuned for today's message. Welcome, my listening friends, to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. It's Joe Nettles again. I'm welcoming you, inviting you to Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, 40283 Wolf Road, near Caledonia, Mississippi, in the Bartahatchee community. And also invite you to Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church. She is pastored by my good friend and partner in this ministry, Elder David Wise. They're located at 11 Staten Road, just off Highway 15, just north of Ackerman. So come and join us 10.30 a.m. any Sunday morning that you can. Uh, We invite you to join us at 6 p.m. every Wednesday evening on the grounds of New Covenant Church located at 200 West Garrett Road in Starkville, Mississippi. We have an abbreviated service and some fellowship every Wednesday night, and we would love to have you come and join us. We invite you to go to our website, gospel-of-grace.com. And please, while you're there, please send us an email. The links are there. Addresses are there. Let us know that you're listening. We would certainly love to hear from you. It would be a great, great encouragement to know that we are reaching folks out there. We also would encourage you to go to the Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church Facebook page, hit like, and activate the notifications. And anytime that we live stream a service, you'll be notified. We live stream all of our Sunday morning services and every Wednesday evening service at the Starkville Primitive Baptist Fellowship that we just mentioned. So we invite you to partake in that live streaming if you're unable to come and visit us in person. But we certainly would love to shake your hand and give you a hearty, charitable welcome. Speaking of charity, uh, we are in a series regarding charity from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Today's installment of this series on charity. Thank you so much for staying tuned with us here at the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. I'm turning to my King James translation to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And in case you didn't catch the introduction, I'm Elder Joe Nettles. Uh, thank you for joining us today as we try to wrap up our messages regarding charity from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Now, there's a lot taught in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 regarding spiritual gifts, those things that endure in heaven, those things that will fade away here on earth. But I'd like to spend the time just focusing on the character and the nature of love, charity, uh, from the Greek term agape or agapeo. It is a love in action. It's a dynamic force. It is love which moves. It divests of itself for the good of others and not just for the good of itself. And so we have uh, brought to your mind uh, many attributes of love. Uh, in order from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And today we'd like to go to 1 Corinthians 13 and read verse 8. And actually just the first phrase of verse 8. Charity never faileth. I read it again. Charity never faileth. One of the most absolute, most glorious attributes of true love. As we've taught you before, love comes from God. Not just anyone has love in them, can love, but true love spoken of in the word of God is instilled through the medium of the Holy Spirit of God in the new earth. And then you're actually able 
to love with a self-sacrificial love for the good of another. Charity never faileth. Now that term faileth is from the Greek word ekpikto, which means to fall away or to become ineffective. In other words, it means it cannot die and it cannot cease to be. It is. It is always. It is undying. It is never ending. And think about the everyday examples all around us. If you've lived long enough, you've seen some of these examples. Children who love their parents in spite of their parents being some of the most scurrilous, some of the most lying, some of the most cheating, and some of the most neglectful and mean people in the world. And vice versa, parents who have loved children, who have taken them through the very uh, valley of woe and misery, and dragged them there, and then dragged them back again, and then dragged them one more time. Whether it be drug addictions, whether it be uh, rebellion, any number of things, sexual promiscuity, and you sit there and you wonder how can they continue to love that child or how can that child continue to love that parent despite innumerable broken promises coldness deceit neglect etc etc we ask ourselves how could they love that one so much how can they keep on in that love well friends charity never faileth how could David love Absalom so much? How is it that Jonathan, who was knit in heart and soul together with David, they were so such close friends, how is it he could continue to love his father Saul, who doggedly tried to kill and to harass David uh, to the end of Saul's life? Why did Moses continue loving Aaron and Miriam in the Old Testament after their plots and failures towards him failed. And uh, he kept loving them. Why did Moses continue loving the tribes of Israel for that matter? Look at how many times he interceded for them. He led them. He sacrificed for them because he had agape love for them. Let's think about it from another perspective. Think about the love of the servants of God in relation to their God. That really shows a great force and power of love, charity that does not fail. Uh, in the book of Hosea, Hosea was commanded to go and take himself a wife of whoredoms, Gomer, who was a woman of ill repute. And that's what he did and brought forth children with her. But then she ran off from him, got in a situation where he had to go and purchase her back even after she'd left and fell back into her whoredoms. Uh, how did Hosea continue to be loving to Gomer after he brought her back into his home? Because the God that he loved commanded him to do it. That's a lot of love. That's charity that doesn't fail. How did Ezekiel continue to love the Lord even after his beloved wife? God said, I will take your beloved from you with a stroke. God allowed and suffered his wife to die to serve as a sign to rebellious, the rebellious Jews, to show them uh, what the real loss, the meaning of loss means, as a sign to Israel. How did Ezekiel continue to love the Lord after his beloved wife was taken from him? As a sign. God could have given many other signs, but God saw fit to do that as a sign. And Ezekiel loved his wife. She was his beloved. But you know what he did? He loved God so much that he got up early that morning 
that day when he knew she was going to be taken, what did Ezekiel do? He went out and did his duty for the Lord whom he loved. He went and prophesied and preached uh, and tried to enjoin repentance upon the children of Israel. How did Abraham continue to love the Lord after having been commanded to sacrifice his promised son, Isaac? I know many of us have thought about that. Uh, that's a very troubling uh, account. If someone does not know scripture, if they don't divide scripture with scripture, and if they're looking at that account with the wrong perspective, you'll be led to the wrong conclusions. Abraham believed that if he did what God told him and he was going to take the life of his son Isaac, that he believed that the Lord would raise Isaac from the dead because the only fulfillment of the promises of God could be in a living Isaac. And he knew that. So Abraham took him and Abraham was willing to sacrifice him because he had an enduring love for his God, a charity that faileth not, it never faileth. How was it that David continued to love the Lord so much after the painful judgment came down of him losing his child that he had with Bathsheba? You know what he did. He sent Uriah to his death after trying to fool Uriah, after lying with his wife and impregnating her. What a, a scandal. What a dreadful thing that David did. And yet the Lord was just and right in pronouncing judgment upon that situation because David brought it on his child, not God. Well, how did David continue to love the Lord after that judgment of losing his child? He did it because he had a love in him that never failed. Job, oh my goodness, the suffering of Job, right? How did Job continue to love the Lord after losing his sons, his daughters, all of his belongings, his servants, his standing in the community, his reputation was under attack by his three miserable comforting friends and he even lost his health. And God did this so that he could mold him and change him and perfect him and that also God would be glorified in it, which he was. How did Job continue to love God? Because he had charity that never faileth. Jeremiah, how did Jeremiah continue to live and serve the Lord with, as it says in Jeremiah chapter 20, a fire that was caught up in his bones? Oh, and he went forward serving the Lord, faithfully serving the Lord, serving the Lord, imploring the Jews, imploring uh, them to turn from their wicked ways, to uh, humble themselves under the judgment of Babylonian captivity. And oh, he suffered so many humiliations. And even after all that he suffered in the name of Jehovah, he still loved him. He still served him. He was still devoted to him. Even when he came to the point of desperation and saying, I'll speak no more in your name. But yet there was something in him that wouldn't fail. And it was a love that God had instilled within him. How could the apostles love Jesus so much? If you go to Acts chapter five, you see that they were imprisoned in Jerusalem just for preaching and healing. That's all they did wrong, preaching Jesus Christ and healing the sick. And then, you know, God's power intervened and they were released from the prison. But what were they released to? <laughs> they went from being imprisoned, they were released, yes they were, but then they were released to just be beaten severely 
uh, by the Jews that despised them so greatly. And somebody may say, it was bad enough that I was in prison, but then Lord, you released me from the prison only to be severely beaten. Somebody would say, that doesn't sound like much of a blessing, but yet those apostles, they rejoiced. They rejoiced that they were worthy, counted worthy to be a suffering shame for the name of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. How does that love happen? How does that much devoted, sacrificial love come to be? What about the Apostle Paul? How was it he continued to love the Lord after all the suffering he did for Jesus' name? Look in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 at this grocery list of woe and misery according to the perspective of the world, but yet it only resulted in a stronger Paul in his devotion to the Lord and a greater peace as he approached the time of martyrdom. Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24, of the Jews five times received I 40 stripes, save one. That's 39 stripes, five times with a leather braid that had bone chips in the end of it to dig the flesh and the muscle and tear away at it from the back. He, he suffered that. He said thrice, three times I was beaten with rods. One time he said I was stoned. Three times I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. Imagine how miserable that was, how frightening that was to be in the deep, uh, to be in the water, floating around out there stranded all, uh, all night and a day. The, the terror, the fear. He said, in journeyings often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my, by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. And then he went on to say, beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. I'm telling you what, I'm pastor of one church. I have pastoral care over one church. I trust I have pastoral influence over other churches, but mainly I'm the pastor of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church. And I can tell you that's enough of a burden for this old boy. Imagine toting around the burdens and the responsibilities that the Apostle Paul carried each and every day, realizing it was eventually going to end in his martyrdom. Oh, my friends, what kind of love is that? It's an enduring love. It's a wonderful love. It's the most powerful force this universe has ever seen that has been instilled in man. And it is agape love. It is true charity, love in action. All this is because charity never faileth. Every promise of God for salvation, friends, is addressed to those who love him. Have you noticed that? How many times in the word of God we see that us who believe we're going to be saved with that everlasting love of the Lord, he's instilled something in us that will not fail. He has caused us to love him. And friends, as long as we have that spirit of God within us, we shall love God. We may not firmly, we certainly don't understand all the things of God. There may be times of frustration. There may be times of despair and depression and discouragement. But I'm here to tell you that love, that root burning in your bones 
for the Lord God, your creator, who is wonderful above all of our conceptions. Oh, that love still remains. Romans chapter eight, verse 28 says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. The all things that work together for good there, he went on to specify were uh, foreknowing, predestination, uh, calling, justifying, glorifying. All the things necessary for God's people to be determined in salvation before the world began and to be successfully brought to heaven after the world is over with. And there he said, that is to them that love God. So what does that tell me? That tells me that every single one who is involved in that chain of salvation spoken of there, all have within them a love for God. Friends, you must know that every human being does not have a love for God. They certainly don't have a love for anyone. Uh, they don't love self-respect. They don't love society. They don't love their neighbors. And they certainly don't love God. But yet God's children are holy and entirely different. Look in John chapter eight, verse 42. Look at the condemnation that Jesus laid down upon these uh, unregenerated, non-elect, hell-bound, hateful Jews. Jesus said unto them in John 8, 42, if God were your father, ye would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God, neither came I of myself, but he sent me. And what he's saying there is that if you had who you claim to be your father, if he actually was your father, if you had his spiritual life within you, then you would love Jesus Christ. That's what he was saying there, that everyone that is born of the spirit has within them the love for the Lord. Romans chapter five, verse five, and hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. How? Did you just make a decision to do it? Did you just dig down deep enough and say, ooh, come on, love. I know you're in there somewhere. Balderdash and poppycock. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. That's plain. First Corinthians chapter two, verse nine. But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for who? Them that love him time and time and time again. Don't tell me some God hater is a born again person. I have, I'll have no evidence at all that a God hater is a born again person. That's just, that's totally contrary to the word of God. We're not finished yet. Galatians 5.22 tells you what love is. It is the fruit of the spirit. So if the spirit is within you and growing within you, then one of those inalienable, one of those undeniable fruits is love and foremost love for God. Ephesians chapter six, verse 24, the apostle Paul desired grace be with all them that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. I think he was talking about all God's children, don't you? He wanted grace to be with all them. And how did he define them? Them that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Second Timothy 1 and 7, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. James chapter 2 verse 5, Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom which he hath promised to who? them that love him. 1 John 4, 7 through 8, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, 
And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Again, you would have to have much help to misunderstand the clarity and the plainness of that statement by Brother John. Later on in verse 19 of 1 John chapter 4, we love him because he first loved us. I hear people say that all the time and how often they say it if they would really just stop and think about what it's actually saying. Yes, it gives you the order. We could have never loved God before he loved us because he loved his children before the world ever began. But it also gives you cause and effect. We love him because he first loved us. His love for us will work in us a love for him after we're born again of the Spirit of God. You see, friends, that charity love can never die. Though all the devils of hell uh, assail it, it will not die. If you show me someone who has indifference or malice towards God, I mean, it's one thing easy if you see someone who is malicious toward God, but even show me somebody who's indifferent and totally indifferent towards God then I believe I've also been shown one in whom I can have no confidence that he or she has been born of the Spirit of God. Now, having said that, friends, we must realize that's in our judgment. We can't perfectly know the mind of God. God is able to look on the hearts where man is not able to look on the hearts. While we see the effects of that heart come out, we can't perfectly judge them, and we must always be reserved in our judgment and give deference to the Lord and his judgment. It's not my job to go pointing fingers at people and saying, you're indifferent toward God, therefore you're going to hell. No, there's a lot of preaching in that, a lot that the Bible says about that. But from my perspective, knowing what I know from the word of God, you show me someone who's malicious or even indifferent about God, and I'll show you one that I don't think I can have confidence in that that person's had a work of grace done in their hearts. Listening friend, you may be saying to yourself, thanks be to God that he instilled that love into me. Well, you're right in thanking and praising him for it. Keep it up. However, know this, the love we feel toward God pales in comparison to the love that he had towards us, that he has toward us. Remember that. You think, well, I love God so much. That's good. I do too. But it is nothing compared to his love for us. Remember, we have this love in earthen, sin-cursed vessels of decay. Always, everything we experience is going to be through a glass darkly or tainted with sin. But friends, his love is timeless, pure, glorious, and contained within the counsel of the eternal triunity who set that love upon us even before the universe existed. I'll tell you now, that's love we can't even begin to comprehend fully. Oh, I can't wait to go to heaven when I'll be able to experience that love in full and to feel the weight of its power without being tainted by this flesh and frail sin that besets me each and every day. Oh, I can't wait to go home and be with my Lord and to feel that love and bask in it. Notice, friends, about the love of God. 1 John 4, verses 9 through 10, and this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Ephesians chapter one, verse four through six, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, 
that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. See, he determined to do it, proclaimed it, decreed it to be done before the world ever began. How in the world could you or your foolishness or your decision ever disrupt that which took place in the mind and counsel of God before you even were? Let's go even back further than that before there was even a universe. Can't do it. He says, having predestinated us under the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. See, not only are we decreed to stand before him holy and without blame in love, oh, he loves us and we've been made accepted in the beloved and the beloved, my friends, is Jesus Christ. John chapter 15, verse 12 said, this is my commandment that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this. What he's saying there? He said, this is not only the greatest love that could be seen in the world, but it's greater than any man could ever truly exhibit other than the one God man, Jesus Christ, that ye love one another as I've loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. That's what Jesus did for us. Jeremiah 31, 3, the Lord hath appeared of old unto me saying, yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. Are you a believer today? That shows that God loved you before the foundation of the world and that love caused something to happen to you. It caused you to love him. Revelations 1, verse 5, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. You see, the two go together. If he's determined to love you, he's also determined to wash you with his blood. When did he shed that blood? It's already done 2,000 years ago. It's a done deal, friends. God's children will be with him in heaven. And how are you going to know you're one of God's children? Let me ask you something today. Friend, do you love God? Do you love Jesus Christ? Do you love your fellow man? Oh, if you do, friends, you have every reason to rejoice. And if you have not submitted yourself to the righteousness of Jesus Christ, oh, go to church and confess him before men and take up his cross and show him through your actions how much you love him. Because I guarantee you, his agape, charity, love in action manifested itself and that he, the God of glory, invaded time, took upon himself a veil of flesh and died for us in a way that we could never die. He took sins upon him that we could never bear and he did a work of redemption that we could never purchase. Oh, praise God, my friends. Praise God. Because I want you, I'll give you a little homework. I want you to go read Romans chapter 8, verses 35 through 39. And you tell me how one who's been loved with an everlasting love that started before the world began could ever be separated from the love of Christ and will not wind up basking with him conformed to his image in glory. I'd say that's a pretty fun assignment. Oh, what glory that'll be to go and study Romans chapter 8, verses 35 through 39. You go and see a charity that never faileth. I love you till we're able to speak with you again on these most wonderful topics. May the Lord richly bless you all.
If you enjoy the messages you hear on the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, we invite you to visit a Primitive Baptist church in your area. Visit our website at gospel-of-grace.com to search for a Primitive Baptist church near you, to listen to past messages online, and to find additional contact information. This program is also available on iTunes under podcasts with the title, The Gospel of Grace, a Primitive Baptist radio broadcast. If you enjoy our program, send us an email at gospelofgracepb at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. This program is produced by Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, 40283 Wolf Road, Caledonia, Mississippi, and Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, 11 Staten Road on Highway 15, just north of Ackerman, Mississippi. Come and worship with us each Sunday morning at 1030 and tune in next week for another message from the Gospel of Grace. Until next time, we pray that God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus our Lord. Wonder.